Hello, and thank you for tuning in to today's special July 4th edition of the Spirit of 76 podcast. I'm your host, James Nelson. Today, we have a very special episode for you. But before we dive into today's episode, let us first hear from our sponsors over at Anchor. Today, we celebrate a miraculous achievement that has almost no parallel in human history. 243 years ago this afternoon, 56 men in the town of Philadelphia attached their names to a sacred document. I think you're well aware of it. It's called the Declaration of Independence. A document which not only announced the separation of our country from England, but established a doctrine, a divine doctrine, in the governing of man. With independence declared, the fate of millions born and yet unborn, the eyes of the world, the British cannons, and the hand of God were firmly fixed on our noble cause. The Declaration of Independence starts off like this. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with one another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. In that passage we read that the justification for our separation comes not from the laws of any men or government, but rather is found in the laws of nature and of nature's God. Our whole legitimacy as a nation is dependent on those laws of nature verified in the existence of our God. In that document, later we also find the passage that all men are created equal and that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This sagacious sentence, this bold sentiment, put to rest the idea that only the monarchs had sacred rights, for up until that point, it was only the monarchs who could claim these rights came from God. The following sentence is just as revolutionary and divine. Quote, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. End quote. From the consent of the governed. For so long, citizens had been tricked into believing that the people exist to serve the monarch and the state, that the monarch's right to rule his subjects came from God himself. As much as the Declaration of Independence signified the end of our ties to our patriarchal abusers, it also brought about a revolution, not just of rifles and bayonets, but also a revolution of ideas that would transform the world forever. A new chapter in the age of man, in the story of man was about to commence. No longer would citizens live under the boot of the state. A government would be formed with its only responsibility to protect rights from God found in the laws of nature, as stated in the Declaration of Independence. Although many of us have heard this idea, or few of us have, in school or in church, I believe that it is imperative that we use perspective and context if we truly desire to grasp this concept. The concept of a government established on the basis 
of rights from our Creator never existed until 1776, and yet 243 years later, we are the only country founded in such a way. It is a universal and sad truth that fallen men in a fallen world can be morally flawed, yet can discover moral truths. Every man or woman, save Jesus or maybe Joan of Arc, have almost never lived up to the great ideals they believe in and even fight for. Sadly, our young country chose not to apply the doctrine that all men are created equal to all Americans equally. Although being established on the basis of human rights, our country sadly and willfully engaged in the oppressive theft of human dignity known as slavery. Although most of the founding fathers abhorred slavery and many did not practice slavery, they all knew of the hypocrisy America obligingly swallowed. They could not remove it from our shores in their lifetime. Lincoln once said that a house divided cannot stand. I believe that this nation cannot live half slave and half free. And for 85 years, America was able to balance slavery and liberty with the southern states unwillingly unwilling to free their slaves while the northern states grudgingly obliged and sat by. But that all ended when Abraham Lincoln was elected president. Before he was even inaugurated, seven southern states, beginning with South Carolina, voted to secede from the Union on the principle of them losing their slaves before he even became president. And on April 12, 1861, at Fort Sumter, Lincoln's prediction eventually came true. An ideological war began on our own soil, a civil war with our own neighbors over the true meaning of freedom in a Republican democracy. In this horrific crisis, we had to decide whether or not we truly believed that all men are created equal and free and deserve liberty, or whether citizens based on skin color were little more than cattle who could be controlled and owned by other humans. In this, our great hour of tribulation and trial, in the darkest days in the history of our nation, the only man that stood in the way of our wholesale destruction from within, on our own soil, from our own neighbors, was the most inexperienced executive to ever hold office. A man who experienced a lifetime of internal crucifixion, shaped by loss and tragedy, who could have capitulated the cause at any time, yet believed in the principle of human dignity, had the moral imagination and understanding to know that this war came as a severe punishment from God, and that we could only solve the idea, save the idea of sovereign man through extreme sacrifice through the apparatus of war. At the beginning of the war, Lincoln's only goal was to save the Union. He said so in his first inaugural address. Even if it meant abiding 
the practice of Southern slavery. But as the war continued, showing no results, Lincoln became aware that our only option was to appeal to our God to save our country. Someone once asked him what side God was on in the fight of the Civil War. And to that, Lincoln responded, Sir, my only concern is not whether God is on my side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side, for he is always right. In his second inaugural address, Lincoln gave somewhat of a sermon rather than a strictly political speech. He said, It may seem strange that any men should dare to ask a just God's assistance in wringing their bread from the sweat of other men's faces, but let us judge not that we be not judged. The prayers of both could not be answered, that of neither has been answered fully. The Almighty has his own purposes. Woe unto the world because of offenses. offenses. For it must needs be that offenses come, but woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. If we shall suppose that any American slavery is one of those offenses which, in the providence of God, must needs come, but which, having continued through his appointed time, he now wills to remove, and that he gives to both North and South this terrible war as the woe due to those by whom the offenses came, shall we discern therein any departure from those divine attributes which the believers in a living God always ascribe to him. Fondly do we hope, fervently do we pray, that this mighty scourge of war may speedily pass away. Yet if God wills that it continue until all the wealth piled by the bondmen's 250 years of unrequited toil shall be sunk, and until every drop of blood drawn with the lash shall be paid by another drawn with the sword, as was said 3,000 years ago, so still it must be said. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. With malice toward none, with charity for all, with firmness in the right, as God gives us to see the right, let us strive on to finish the work we are in, to bind up the nation's wounds, to care for him who shall have borne the battle, and for his widow and his orphan, to do all which may achieve and cherish a just and lasting peace among ourselves and with all nations. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this was given approximately a month before the end of the Civil War, and Lincoln knew that victory was within his grasp. And with the war nearly closed after four long years, he could have boasted of his own ability, yet he had the spiritual magnanimity to appeal not to the people and their partisan perspective, but like the Declaration of Independence, he appealed to something higher, to God's laws of nature. For he knew our country was under judgment from a sovereign God, and his justice was his alone. Lincoln, however, had known this for quite some time. In his Gettysburg Address, in just a little over two minutes of speaking, he summed up the eternal principles of the Declaration of Independence and baptized America, cleansing it of its sins. 
Four score and seven years ago he began, our fathers brought forth onto this continent a new nation, conceived in liberty, and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Now, to fully understand the Declaration of Independence, you have to also understand the Gettysburg Address. Because Lincoln legitimizes the theory found in the Declaration of Independence. Because we as a nation truly were were conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Until that point in our history, we had never truly lived up to that idea, even though it was the bulwark upon which our country was founded. Yet in this, our great civil war, Lincoln would change all that. He goes on to say, It is rather for us to be dedicated here to the great task remaining before us that from these honored dead we take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion. And he finished that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. Lincoln knew that the Declaration of Independence may have come from the pen of a man, but it nevertheless was inspired by God, and he knew this. And he knew that a country founded on moral truths cannot fall into the abyss of self-pleasure and forget its covenant with God. Today, this July 4th, I ask each and every one of you to ponder, perhaps even pray, about the current course of our country. Because the unpleasant fact is that if we continue on our current trajectory, we are headed for internal ruin. And just as Lincoln asked his listeners at Gettysburg, Pennsylvania in 1863, I also will ask each and every one of you out there listening to this to dedicate yourself to becoming a better patriot, for we can all do much better. I hope you proudly celebrate our great national birthday with malice toward none and with charity for all. Let us awaken once more the spirit of 76. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your host, James Nelson. May God bless you, and may God bless the United States of America.